Welcome to the GamesNet Berlin Europe podcast. Here, we speak with extraordinary games industry professionals and listen to their story to learn all about what they've built and who they are. GamesNet Berlin Europe is the international games industry initiative of MediaNet Berlin Brandenburg, the networking association for the media, creative and digital industries in Germany's capital region. My name is Simon Oller and I will be your host for this program. Today, I'm speaking with Christian Metzger. He is the founder and CEO of Stratosphere Games. Stratosphere develops AAA MMO titles for mobile and beyond. In part one, which you are listening to right now, we speak about the current state of Stratosphere and the games they are developing right now. We talk about Christian's career and the many places it took him and how his different career steps prepared him for being a CEO and leader. And we also cover how his vision for his company looks like. And I can tell you, it's a very unique and personal vision. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to also find part two of this episode. In part two, we go over personal development topics. So please enjoy my conversation with Christian Metzger. Hi, Christian, and welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Simon. Hi, hi. hi. I'm good, thank you, thank you. It's uh, the weather is wonderful on these uh, mid-May days that we are on right now. Um, a short taste of tasty summer. I like it. I like it yeah, very I hope, much. I hope it brings the change we are all waiting. I think so. Um, you are, of course, the founder and CEO of Stratosphere Games. I know you're working on some cool games right now that you care a lot about. So I thought, why don't you just take a second um, to pick us up? where Stratosphere and you are at right now, um, because I know that you have some cool stuff in the works, so we know where you're at. Oh, yeah, sure. Happy to. Um, yeah, so, I mean, the company itself exists for quite a while now already. I mean, I know, nowadays, um, five, six years is already a long time. So we are mm -hmm. officially not even called a startup anymore, at least when it comes to our bank and, uh, and even, I think, the taxes. After five years, you, you have to... Uh, that changes your status. So... Yeah, we started five years ago, um, formerly coming from a company called Splash Damage. Um, and we always were set out to make high-end premium um, uh, mobile games. And um, after some big changes um, from team-wise, um, strategy-wise, um, we settled in 2018, 19 was basically the big change here. And um, two big things happened to us. One is we got some really cool um, work-for-hire uh, jobs, which get us got us to profitability, which is um, rare and hard to, to hit uh, nowadays, especially in the earlier days. And then uh, we got a deal with Gearbox, um, Gearbox Publishing, to make Homeworld Mobile. So Homeworld Mobile, I mean, I don't know if uh, anyone knows Homeworld itself. Homeworld is a very, very, very famous PC strategy IP. Um, it is it is really old as well. It is um, the first came out in 1999. Um, the second one, I think, in 2001 or two was it? And then there was a, a successor many years later, 2015 came a new one. And now there's a third top one in the uh, in the making. So, and when we, we had a concept, went directly to Randy Pitchfork, the owner of the IP. And uh, a few days, years later, it took us quite a while to honestly to land that deal. We got the deal to make an MMO out of it. So... What we are currently doing that we did that for the last nearly two years um, is basically building, taking um, the original PC IP, um, 
taking that whole awesome world, um, thanks to some of our artists, which also work in the modding community, finally, um, and take that cool IP and then basically bring it to mobile, bring it in an MMO-style experience. So it's an always online uh, multiplayer experience. So basically transforming that IP and bringing it in the next century, hope, <laughs> and make it really amazing. And um, we have a technical test running at the moment, uh, interestingly, it's still running a few weeks before we switch off the servers um, to basically go for, to test everything out and then uh, go open beta this summer. Um, and this is for us the big one. You know, it's like, it's the biggest team. There are over 25 people on that project. Um, it is has really good numbers so far and it's really unique. I think it's a game, there's not many out there. It's, it's a very hardcore game for mobile. And that's, yeah. I think, one of the key components here is like we... We're not doing that normal mobile first. Let's see what Supercell does, and and we try to copy it. So, not, mm. that's a, this is one game where we really put in a lot of effort with the whole team to basically make a super unique experience, and also bringing a pretty hardcore um, um, genre, which is RTS, um, real time strategy game, uh, into MMO and on mobile. So, I think it's um it's a pretty uh, it's not just an amazing title for me personally, and it's not uh, because I, I love that IP. So working on your most beloved IP is not just awesome, but also it is it is a big endeavor to basically see is like uh, is mobile and is uh, not just mobile, but potentially another platform uh, is this ready basically for these kind of super hardcore games? We have, we saw some examples out how, there that do that, but how can I imagine uh, this game when you say it's a uh... It's a homeworld is obviously set in space, and then it's also an RTS and it's also an MMO. Like, just maybe, can you give me uh, a glimpse of the gameplay loop or what's going on there? How can I imagine? Yeah, the game I mean, itself? one of the specialties of um, homeworld is that you—it's a very different RTS because you don't build a base. You have your base always with you, and your base is literally your flagship. Um, slash mothership in the case of Homeworld 1 and 2. And these kind of um, flagships you build and research and do everything internally. So basically, you take the whole time your um, uh, your whole base with you. So you don't have building phases and everything else. That makes it automatically very well usable for um, MMO experience. So you you have a, your character flagship. Just imagine... Uh, the flagship is a little bit like your character in an uh, like in World of Warcraft, yeah. And every mm -hmm. one of the flagship has their own roles on the battlefield. Um, mm -hmm. um, fighters, there will be support characters, there will be carriers, um, there will be basically um, flagships that are catered to a certain playstyle. And so basically, you take that, then you have a supporting fleet, uh, which is all controlled via a special tap control system. It's hard to explain. Uh, you have to try it out. It is the idea behind it is. Um, um, it doesn't matter if you're on a small device or on a big device, it plays um, very similar on, on all these, uh, these and hopefully really amazing. And your base, your base idea is that you're slowly growing up your fleet. Um, you have a whole galaxy to explore. At the moment, you ha we have uh, around 100 systems, but as a technical test. Um, in the final game, we will have uh, around 150 to 200 more handcrafted ones. Um, later in the, in the life cycle, we will have um, procedural generated um, systems in there where you can so what you basically do you you get your ship you get your you play a missions the missions are very short they're between 
five five to fifteen minutes. Um, mm -hmm. you have to defeat an enemy. You have to defend an an ally. You there's like sm small generated missions. They are by by the by the way unlimited. And then um, you get from that you get resources. You get um, credits like um, currencies. And then you research in your ship a new technology, and then you slowly go up the tiers. Um, you start with a, a small ship, and then you end. You have a ma massive uh, flagship, which can also fight uh, like crazy. And the idea is that you then, at one point, join an alliance, and you can fight alliance wars. You can even capture solar systems and build build your own um, um, own bases. And um, mm -hmm. and another important factor, and that's I think also important, is like. You come together with four people and you play a strike. Uh, that's how we call it. Um, similar to what Destiny does or um, similar games, it's like a dungeon also. So four people go into one big um, massive battle against NPCs, and you have to together work together to basically defeat that. So mm -hmm. and, and the idea behind that is um, um, so it's role playing meets strategy meets MMO. Um, it's and that's what I mean by unique. This, there's not a lot of games yeah. like that out there. And and is there a PvP as well? There will be PvP. Um, we will start with some simple PvP arena maps, and then later on there will be alliance wars, which are supposed to be much bigger. I mean, for me, it's like a mixture of what Eve Echoes does, a super hardcore RPG online sci-fi experience, taking that to mobile and trying to make that work. And I think that's a similar approach that we had. We basically take the original homeworld experience, which is much even more hardcore than what we uh, do, um, it has a full 3D um, 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 movement range, which is a really crazy thing. And it was really a hard time getting that to work, uh, even on our original. And I think why that's a very unique thing, um, it would also hold it back. Uh, and it's it's a big issue for the future. And basically taking that 3D experience, making it a little bit simpler for mobile and basically allowing that all come together in, into one M M online experience where you mix cool elements of um, a, a real-time strategy, MMOs, and, and, and also this, this universe to explore. And I think that's, that's the special thing about it. And we think that the world is now slowly um, uh, right for that. Um, it took us for quite a while until mobile games came to the point where they're not just, yeah, I don't know, cheap ripoffs of, of original games. They are now can, can build like super high-end games, which are um, at home on PC and on mobile. I mean, if you look now in the, in the space from Fortnite to Call of Duty Mobile to PUBG and all these kind of games, they some of them are even cross-play, so you can even play with each other um, there. But a lot of them, especially Korean um, action RPGs and so on, they are made for PC and mobile at the same time. So for us, it's also mobile first. We'll see later what happens to a potential PC version. Um, it, that isn't decided yet. Uh, has a lot to do also with how mobile um, Homeworld Three will fit in and all that kind of stuff. But for now, mm. we basically build this, and and this is also a big important move for the studio because you have to imagine it's like at the beginning the games we did they were great games and they were triple A AAA experiences um, um, from a mobile perspective. But a lot of my team, including me, we come from PC free to play triple A experiences. We wanted we want real, more hardcore experiences and less clicky uh, mobile experiences. So for us, it was a natural uh, development to basically go away from that mobile first in the sense that it's um, it's it's just perfect for mobile device, more for an, 
for an audience that searches for more hardcore experiences on mobile. Um, mm, that sounds fantastic. And uh, I'm very, uh, very curious. We also, of course, want to talk about you and your career. So uh, when and how can people who are interested in this game now try it? Um, yeah, at the moment, it's on um, homeworldmobile.com. Um, there we have, um, you can sign up and uh, can join. Um, for sure, you can join the technical test, um, which means uh, that is still running and then will run until um, end of this month. Um, latest, um, probably e a little bit longer even. And then we will start an open beta, which will be just in several countries. What we do, um, everyone that joins up now, and they will get an, an extra invite basically for um, uh, while the open beta is running. Uh, the open beta normally is, is limited to certain countries, but for everyone that, that signs up now, these guys will basically give um, get access to it, even if it's just launched uh, somewhere else, like in Canada, where, wherever. So I think that's important. Also, um, due to some of the um, um, the new restrictions on mobile, I don't know if you heard about it, um, uh, with iOS 14.5, 14, 14 um, um, ad, ad attribution is a little bit harder uh, on iOS. And so we will um, we will we'll go for Google um, Play Open Beta first, um, just to basically test our systems and get our um, user acquisition and everything right. And um, this is what a lot of people now do, basically, because... Uh, it will take a while until um, that situation around iOS 14.5 will be settled and we will have a better understanding how that, what kind of influences will have on the mobile space, by the way. Understood. Fantastic. So everybody who's interested in that can find that at, what's the URL again? Um, homeworldmobile.com. Perfect. Fantastic. Uh, really nice to hear. And I, I know that the IP is close to your heart. And um, I know you're a, obviously a gamer by heart and it also seems like you're a, a jack of all trades and i want to know a little bit about you and your career so i know you've been a pro gamer you've been a journalist you've been a product owner and now you're a startup founder are you actually a jack of all trades who kind of looks into Mass a bunch of, of different yeah, directions sure. <laughs> <laughs> or I mean, is there or is there a common thread uh, that goes through everything you're doing maybe besides games um, yeah. yeah, feel free to to take from that what you will. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as we I always, I mean, everything I did career-wise was I'm very curious. I mean, I think that's a common trait, and I like people. Um, I know and nowadays it's sometimes not always that easy. Um, in in these di diverting times, um, it's not simple to to like people, but overall, I would say I like people. I I like to understand people, to know them. And everything I did was basically founded around that. Like a lot of my jobs I did before I was uh, studying journalism. First I did, I studied medicine, I stopped that because I was too much into uh, Berlin, uh, had too much other things to offer than just learning. Um, and then I studied um, um, journalism and politics and I worked in journalism for over 15 years in total, I think. Uh, and the funny bit is uh, half of that was while I was studying. Um, and, and so, I, but I studied that mainly because I'm curious. I, I want to ask questions. I want to understand things. I want to analyze them. I want to understand what is wrong, what is right and, and try to make a sense of it. And I think this, this making a sense of it. So like of not just myself, my life, but also the world is something that I always enjoyed. I'm really and like, and I think that is basically my, my red line that goes for everything. So like understanding why something works exactly like I um, it, it should be or not. And um, when I started with journalism, 
games were always there. I mean, they were always part of my life. I mean, started. I mean, since I can walk, I, I basically played games. I had a Philips G5000, which is a super old school console that was even long before Super NES. And I had a Super NES for my first money uh, working at a at a at a, a, um, a lake. Um, that was basically um, I was a cashier and. Uh, and for that first money, I bought myself um, Street Fighter Two, Turbo Super NES, <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, and and so so that games were always there. But I think the curiosity was more important for a long time for me, also because games always seemed a little bit limited to a certain extent in this time frame. And then, but when I when I was then journalist uh, in a music magazine, I wrote all these reviews about games and. More and more understood that I mean, while I was a right uh, music journalist, I think I could have been a really amazing games journalist because I'm so much into it. I'm so passionate about it. I understand so much. I play so much, and and so that that is how basically it happens. Like while coming out of um, my esport career, uh, I had my own clan. I was in Counter Strike. I was even ger- German Championship in 1999, and and I played like three, four, five uh, hours a day. And um, coming out of that, and together with my journalism career, I decide, okay, I wanna 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 become that um, that journalist. But the funny bit is, before I I so I became that journalist, wrote about games a lot, and then um, and then while I was studying um, uh, back then, I switched to electronic business. I also had to make an uh, my first game ever. It was a it was a ad game for BMW. <laughs> it was a it was mm-hmm. for Pat, it was really, it was not a good game. It was horrible, <laughs> honestly. And and also, I started and working with an agency on on games for mobile phones back then. So I already did try to go into development back then. But honestly, working for these kind of games was really challenging because resolution was shit. The the, the technology was so basic. It honestly, it you you basically you had a PlayStation, but then you had these phone games which were like. I don't know. They had 170 pixel by 300 pixels, and, and and everything was hard. There was no controls for it. So I really, really, really tried to get into gaming already, but it it just didn't get me. So I I took the easy way out. I got an offer for Eurogamer, um, a very big uh, network. I don't know if, who knows that is one of the biggest European um, game websites. Um, and the German outlet searched for a co uh, uh, co editor in chief. And so I choose the easy way out and going back to journalism while I really tried to, to edge my way into game development, but it just wasn't fun. I have to be honest, these times were just not fun. And so that's why, why was I it important for you yeah. to go into uh, game development while you were kind of pursuing that goal of, I want to be a games journalist? Yeah, that's the funny bit about it. It's like the games journalist thing was always my segue into game development, I would guess. Now, when I can say now in a in a retrospect, um, because I can tell you one thing, it's like, and this is the jack of all trades, master of none. I was never really, really good at anything else than writing or anything else good than socializing or, and, and doing things like that. I was never a real artist. I was never a programmer. I was, you know, it's like what I mean by that is like I'm, I, and, and this is the, I mean, this is probably like something which is discussed also a lot. It's like, I was a games critic then. And games critics are similar to movie critics. A lot of people say about them is like, um, yeah, they're so harsh and mean sometimes because they never did their own game. 
So I think that challenged me always, this this perception of yeah. German journalism is just basically all the people that are never be able to uh, to make their own game. And I, I think that challenged me from the get-go. I think that's a good instinct because, because you know, don't 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 they say nobody likes a critic? You know, I mean, it's being a critic is like I think it's even such a terrible word in a way. It's like you're why why would you criticize something that somebody else made? You know, I always I I I never really well. You know, sometimes I'm critical too, but then I always think the same. I'm like, well, have you tried making it yourself? And then you know, maybe you will feel differently about it, or you will more appreciate the effort that a person has has put into it um is that what what drove you to kind of no i mean no not really because being honest my main thing here is that um when you when you when you're a game critic yeah you try to put yourself in a position of a normal uh, user a normal player mm. and i think that's mm -hmm. important and, and i think for that game critics are right because it's always easier to criticize when you're not into it Now I, I I wouldn't be able to do critics anymore because now I have the full perspective. Now I fully understand how much effort and blood, sweat, and tears it is to make a game. Now I could, could never do that anymore. It's like, but you know why? I hope that I'm a, still really good in in our business, and I hope that why our games will be better at the end is because I still be able to put myself into the shoes of a normal player. Because I think a lot of developers miss that. So. Yes, you're right. Um, uh, critics are uh, have it easier because they they, they just can pretend they all that effort is not in and they don't understand everything. But it's probably good. It's probably good that um, game that, yeah. critics don't know that because if they would know, they wouldn't be. They can't be then like looking from the perspective of a player. And I think that's the key component. And to to my game designers and all these other people. To, to make them clear for them, that's the main thing that makes good games is that you are able to to switch your perspective and don't make games for you or don't make games for your peers, make games for your audience. I think that's the key component. And I hope that that is what I learned. And that, you know, that's why how I see it is like everything I did, even after that, I was a PR guy. I was a um um I worked in PR for Splash Damage. I was a biz dev guy. I, I worked a product product director for free-to-play um, um, MMOs and stuff like that. Everything prepared me a little bit for that job because I've now brought everything I hope or most things which you need as a CEO in this business uh, to the table. is like is understanding the players, understanding what, what makes good games and bad games, um, being able to, to promote them if I need to, if I'm able to sell them to the, the right partners or find the right partners making the product better incrementally after after you release this. All these kind of uh, skills and tasks I basically learned. So like the last 20 years of my career was basically my preparation for becoming a CEO. And that's just how I feel uh, at the moment. It's like, this is the culmination of my career. Now I'm finally... Okay, so basically you uh, learned from your journalist days how to put yourself into the mind of a new player And then you learn from your PR days how to kind of how to sell the game or how to promote a game. And you learn from your product days how to iterate on the game step by step. Is that about right? Are these the combinations that yeah, are and last one of these now? as a biz dev guy, I understood how to find partners and how to sell the games to potential partners. I mean, just to be clear, it's like every game we ever did, we sold to a publisher. 
or I mean, if it's not self-published, that was another option. And um, my first game, I even sold three times. Um, uh, so while the game mm-hmm. itself was a big failure, as an example, I was able to sell it three to three different people and make it somehow still viable for us. I think that's the and this is the the, the point is like um, and and when I was starting the the, the company. I was I even had a lot of these roles. Yeah, I was the PR guy. I was the the product manager. I was even a producer and a PR manager. I had all these roles. And now, when a company comes back bigger, now the the it switches. So now I don't do the work anymore. I just give feedback back. I think that's the the main thing with what basically changes here. But I have feedback for everything. I can I can give a new perspective. I can give new ideas, even to junior people. I can teach people. I can help people to basically achieve the same goals here. And I think that's the the cool bit is like, and this is why what I like so much about the job is that how everything changes. You, at the beginning, you do everything is handmade. Everything you do yourself, blood, blood, sweat, and tears. And then when you become bigger, it becomes much more supervisory role. And and we discussed that, uh, um, and this is a really important factor for me. Is not just the career; it's also your personal um, uh, um, change. So basically, you become from this just pure like working force in in your company. You become much more like a, a mentor. You become a, I mean, it's probably a little bit too strong word, but you you, you teacher at least a, a teacher. Mm-hmm. You, you become someone that is leading. Yeah, it's like it's like leading uh, other people and. I think that's the last bit, which is was never in my career. What, what helped me a lot is like, like I discussed before, I like people and I like to be around people. I'm curious of, about them, and I hope so. That makes me to also to a good boss because I'm really care for them. So for me, the company is also like a extended family. Yeah, I mean, for me, and I think that's a, something probably we can discuss a little bit more in, in detail later. It's like yeah, I would love for, to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, it's it's friends and and work uh, work friends as well were always a little bit more like a family i so i had a good 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 upbringing don't get me wrong but i never we were not never that i don't know 100 people family and we shared everything and we always stayed together and there was three generations or whatever what some people have um i we always had a clear clearer separation between us and for me my my friends and 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 my and now also people that work with me are my family. I mean, and I think that's the key component here. What I want to want to basically bring over is like this was the foundation. What 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 I built here is 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 not just understanding and being successful, but also fi- fi- finding this this family uh, and having basically support for everyone in this family. So no one gets gets the feeling that that, that he's misused. We we have several elements for that 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 also comes on top of that. It's like um, we have certain, as an example, the the lowest salary and the highest salary can't be crazy multiples. At the moment, we have a fixed ratio of um, of two. So at the moment, I we, we, that's something we even communicate to everyone that starts with the company. We um, this, the 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 C levels that's <laughs> me. We are just earn double double as much as juniors. Yeah, there's some 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 varieties. I'm being honest. It's like. If someone is still directly in university or whatever, there's there's some varieties. But for a normal junior and starting, and my salary is at the moment a double. And I think as long as we are, um, we still miss our big hit. I I'm, I want to make that clear. It's like our games were all moderate successful, but never like a big hit. And um, to a certain extent, I'm I'm willing. Uh, there could be some changes there, but I want to make clear that fam- being a family and being 
honest and also very fair to everyone. I think it's a, one of the key components for me because, you know, there will be always um, studios out there or companies out there that can pay whatever they want. I mean, we had here in Berlin a really tough environment, I tell you. It's like some big studios like Voodoo, Wargaming, King. I mean, they are super successful multinational companies. And I can't provide that. I can't, I can't go with them and can say, okay, I match them or even overtake them when it comes to salary. What can I provide is fairness, honesty, and, and also security. I think that's a, another point here in Berlin. I don't know if, if you saw that a lot, but it's like a lot of studios open and close, especially the big companies, they open, closed, and they, 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 they cut off some parts. Huge just closed down. Wargaming goes up and down. It's like, Wargaming was at 1.90 people, now they're at 30 again. Um, and that's all based on strategic decisions. And I, my goal is to basically not do it like that. We tried, I tr try to, to provide the environment where people can, can feel secure as long as you do a good job. I mean, the show that's always a given. Mm -hmm. um, but um, they can be secure and they feel also a little bit still in control because I think that's something that a lot of people hate when they are in, in bigger companies. Yeah, it's nice to have the fancy coffee machine, the really high, high paid salary, but they're not in control. Someone else somewhere literally <laughs> on a different cont continent sometimes or somewhere far, far away, there's a green light committee. They all sit together and they, they rate what they see. And, and based on that, they switch off on, on whole, whole departments. And I think that's what I not want to provide. I want to provide, I make sure that our games work or that I provide a, a safe and secure environment for the for everyone that's working here. At least that's my goal. I mean, sure, reality happens and I can't guarantee anything more than that. But for me, this is, I want to make clear that that is one of my biggest objectives. It's like uh, um, securing um, a, a nice um, work environment for my team. Yeah, I think that's very beautiful, and that's a very um, grand and and personal vision. And um, I would love to talk to you more about this um, in part two, and kind of uh, find out a little bit more how well um, what motivates you to do that, and then also maybe uh, some more examples on how you do that. Um, I have uh, a couple of last questions for you uh, yeah. for part one of this interview um since you know this is the gamesnet berlin europe podcast and uh gamesnet is a very uh, event and socially driven um endeavor which right now of course is a, is a bit different um i want to uh go down memory lane or maybe anticipation lane with you a little bit and um i have some questions for you about events What's your favorite event for business in, in the... Uh, I, mean, I mean, for me, I mean, just to be clear, it's like, for me, this is also very, it's hitting hard. It's like, don't get me wrong, my 2019 was one of the craziest travel years I had in life. Um, I've been to GDC, Gamescom, a hundred different one events, and it was a little bit stressful. And at the end of the year, I said, I still, honestly, this still haunts me a little bit. I said it. End of 2019, oh God, I mean, next year I really have to, to be a little bit cooler. Yeah? Um, but no one expected what happened then. It's like everything basically cut off. And for me as a social person, I have the luxury that we have a massive, um, a big office, several small smaller offices in a, in, a, in a building. 
um, which is really good for us that we, we still have like six, seven people here and they can always work. Everyone is in their own room and so on. You know, um, it's so it's secure. Um, we, we, and we can still see people at least with a mask, but you can see people. But for me, it was really a big challenge because I love that. I mean, I can tell you as an example that um, the Games Convention, <laughs> Gamescom, um, I visited, um, that was my first ever conference I visited in 2001 or 2000, was it? I can't remember. So I was at every single Games Convention slash Gamescom since it was built, founded. And I never missed one one iteration. I was every, every time there. I am, and this and GDC, I would say Gamescom and GDC are my most favorite ones just because it's less about meeting and game going, um, um, meeting heavy. It's more about meeting friends and talk. And the, that, that's and kind of the second question. The second question is kind of what's your favorite event for hanging out? So maybe it's for you, it's both, uh, both are the same or yeah, they're is, both is the there, same. Yeah. Is there a difference for you, difference for you between I mean, like business I mean, and hanging uh, the, out? The cool thing about, uh, the cool thing about, um, 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 Gamescom is that it's more local. So it's more, Hanging out in Cologne on, and in cool places and stuff like that. So that that is a that's an easy one. And then um, uh, GDC is more exotic. You know, it's a different country. And so if you are there, uh, I mean, I didn't go every year to GDC. So GDC is more international. You know, you 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 meet less um, German games friend. You meet much more like international ones. And and also because I extended a lot of time with going to Napa Valley or whatever. Um, for me, it was also more a little bit like a work, like a, a holiday thing uh, to go into GDC. While um, um, Gamescom is really hardcore drinking <laughs> and meet event. Um, so I think both are really fantastic. And in between, there's a lot more effective ones. Like I think for mobile game people, Pocket Gamer is fantastic and super effective. Um, Pocket Gamer Connect was one of the best things ever done by by the Pocket Gamer team. I think they were one of the most success, uh, successful um, uh, meetings you can have because you can have one meeting after another. You can There's an investor m m a meetup and all that kind of stuff. So I think personally, this is a really, really, really um, fantastic event just to be successful in this way. There's a lot of other ones, which some of them in Berlin, they were always more a little bit more relaxed, like the typical, the Berlin Games Week is, I miss it like crazy, but it was never for, I mean, sorry to say that, but it was never to meet like unique or special um, new contact. It was always more enjoying Berlin together with friends from some international friends that came over. But most people came more over for Berlin and less over for 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 really like awesome connections or something. I understand. Let me ask you this. What's yeah. a defining memory connecting you with Berlin and maybe the game scene here? I mean, that's a big one. I mean, I am here for now. Oh God, uh, twenty-five years. Um, so quite a quite a bit. So at the beginning, there was no game scene. So to be clear, it's like when I started in games. When I told you I did this little stinge in in like old feature phone uh, games, there was nearly no um, company. Um, I remember that Jens Begeman, uh, Begeman, uh, the guy from uh, the founder of of Vuga came to us and talked to us about that Facebook game he wants to do. And um, because he knew my the CEO I, I worked with uh, back then, but there was nothing. There was no VUGA, there was nothing. Yeah. So back then it felt really lonely in, when, when we worked in games. There was not a lot of studios here. I think Yaga already existed, but that, that was basically it. 
And then um, the years later, I feel that, and I think that's the specialty about Berlin is like with it becoming more international, suddenly there was more and more talent coming to Berlin. And suddenly people found out, yeah, that's a great place to find um, um, people that a lot of big talents, a lot of, uh, also a lot of um, uh, nations, which was really great for, that's what a lot of people did, um, uh, having lo localization and community management here. Um, and so to basically publish their games in, uh, in Europe, American companies, but also especially like um, uh, Korean or Japanese uh, companies uh, did that and, and, and some Chinese ones. So, so suddenly, and that I think was in the, in the late 2000s, then suddenly it became that, that spot where so now we can also make games here. And now we're at this point, and I think this is the, the, the cool part, is like where we suddenly have a really good and living environment. We have cool studios. We have a lot of talented studios. And I think for me, that all changed when I, um, and like one or two years into my into in, into founding my company, suddenly I felt that the, the, the um, Berlin um, um, became much, much stronger. The Berlin Gamesway came along. Um, everything became more international. Stuff like, like, fun, finally, the Berlin Games League become ing, became English. So we had uh, English speakers and stuff like that. So what I mean by that is like this was, I think, one of the turning points, uh, and this was around 2015 or so, where suddenly Berlin game scene felt like a thing. <laughs> and and that is really, and I think now we are at a really great point. Um, we still, I mean, still struggling. Don't get me wrong, like. Huge games just, it's like uh, big studios open their studios and then they close it again. But then Colibri games came. There was so much other stuff happening. I think overall now there is a game scene. But up, up to 2015, 16, I never had a feeling there's a real game scene. There was like, it was too fragmented and everything. And But now finally, I have the feeling that there is something and we also can work with each other. I've, it's mm. much easier to find good talents and all these kind of things. I think that's the, key component and, and that seems the, to be the defining feeling for you right that yeah. that it goes from loneliness so to speak to yeah. kind of a, a wild uh, games jungle in yeah. in berlin is that right. it yeah that, that's by basically what 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 i i think it is it's like before you you always fought along and funnily the last year felt a little bit like it again <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Understandable. It is, yeah, it's it's a weird one. I mean, the only thing I, people I had contact with was basically my my business partners. You know, Gearbox in our case. I mean, we talk a lot with them, sure daily, and, um, and my investor, my new one, and stuff like that. So, like, there there is some influence, and I I have a lot of friends now in the games business. Is also something I never had before. Just to be clear, it's like before in my 2013, 14, 15, and I didn't find also like-minded people in the games industry. I um, I'm I'm not a typical gamer guy probably because all my my whole career and my 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 past yeah when I came from music uh, journalism and stuff like that so I was always a little bit different but and also that is also part of that when when I found my um, founded my own game studio but also suddenly found people that I like minded where I can have fun with not just about round gaming but also like privately I think this is also what changed a lot like. Before gaming was just basically running in parallel to my normal life. I just do air quotes here. And, mm -hmm. um, um, but now finally gaming became my life because now it was not just, um, um, sorry to say that it's like in, in game journalism, you had a lot of different characters, but 
rarely they were people where I can go within a club or so. Yeah, or go. Yeah, I really understand that. And Christian, I really want to talk more to you about that in part two. So yeah. why don't you why don't we wrap this one up here? Yeah. And uh, quick last one: Where can people find you if they want to hear more from from you, follow you, any social media you would like to send people to? Uh, the funny bit is, it's it, it's just literally on on LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn is my. Uh, it's a little bit sad, but I never got into qu Twitter. That's fine, <laughs> dude. That's not a problem. LinkedIn yeah. can be cool too. That's okay. No, no, so really. So LinkedIn is very uncool, but it's the only place where I really continuously also post something and and we interact a lot with people i have like five thousand six thousand contacts or something like that and well, that's and, the and, most important thing right yeah so yeah. people and can just me, find you at uh, christian metzger there is that right just christian metzger I mean, directly and contact me i have my i'm really open with that until like a few days ago i even had um, my Uh, uh, even had my phone number on our website, but uh, and we had to come cancel that because I got so many different. <laughs> I can imagine for for I like uh, calls for all that kind of different stuff I got. Um, so that was a little bit silly. So that's why we decided at the end um, uh, to get that, get rid of that. But um, yeah, if you can, you can always contact. Me. Okay, so if any of you want to get in touch with Christian without calling him cold, um, Christian <laughs> Metzger on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for this one, and I see you and the listeners too in part two okay thank you thank you thanks for listening to part one of this episode be sure to also check out part two which will be released two weeks after part one on all podcast platforms so it might already be out by the time you hear this whatever platform you're on subscribe or follow the gamesnet berlin europe podcast to listen to many more insightful conversations with fantastic games industry guests from berlin and from all over europe Thank you very much and see you very soon. Bye-bye. Hi there. Before you go, this is Florian, Project Manager for Gamesnet Berlin Europe. If you want to stay connected to the network, find out more about upcoming events and links to other MediaNet initiatives, you can visit us at gamesnetberlin.eu and subscribe to our newsletter. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast and until next time.